Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Today is part two of a great interview with Matthew Karchner. Now, he was steep, deep into the homosexual lifestyle. But one day in 2010, God delivered him and set him completely free. Amen. How did the devil respond? (laughs) Matthew shared that the PNC bank he was working at for 15 years came up with a policy that wanted him to support the LGBTQ agenda and to sign a statement to that effect. To that, he refused. His letter of resignation stated, I've decided to follow Jesus with no turning back. Amen. Glory to God. Once chief among gay sinners, Matt now calls the LGBTQ to repentance and faith in Christ. Matthew is now a missionary and church pastor serving in Cambodia, sharing the message of hope and transformation with others who are also seeking their own path to redemption. And if you missed any of part one, go back and listen to his story. It's riveting and inspiring. Now, let's jump into the conclusion of this great interview with Matthew Karchner. Amen. What would you like to see pastors and churches do better concerning these situations? Get back into the word. And and I mean, I grew up in, I was born in 1978, grew up in the church in the 80s, early 90s. And the church in my hometown is just kind of, I think of it just as an example, kind of a benchmark of what what any church would have been back in the mid 80s where the pastor's preaching pretty solid doctrine and people were the men of the church are shouting amen here and there, you know, and, and it was pretty solid American family. It was kind of like uh, not much, much different than what you would imagine 1950s, I guess. The 80s were different than the 50s, I'm sure. But but to me, it was pretty, uh, it was a little bit old-fashioned America. The Christian family was there and people were intact and they weren't divorcing in mass and people were still coming to church and felt obligated to honor the Lord in their life. And, and then I think that when there was a falling away, when people stopped coming uh, for whatever reason in the eighties, early nineties, I think the church boards and, and the leadership got together and said, if we are going to make it, we're going to have to change with the times oh, yeah. and whatever what we have to do. I, I think in large part, churches said, whatever we have to do, to keep the money coming in, we will do. And so here we are, how many years later where we have, I'm not a big, I'm not here to shout and scream about no more bands in the church and that kind of stuff. But it it tends to be when you invite the the full throttle band in, then the the message can't really be hellfire and brimstone (laughs) true to true to solid doctrine kind of message. So that's why I've been preaching about that for years that the churches today have grown more into a rock concert setting than a preaching setting. You know, I don't I, I understand. I want to go back to something that you mentioned was recidivism. And I don't know the answer, so I'm, that's why I'm asking this. Do you know what the recidivism rate is for homosexuals that have been delivered and then fell back into that lifestyle? 
Yeah. I don't know a, a rough statistic. I'm not sure percentage-wise, but... Um... Okay. Well, I ask that because we see, you know, blasted all over the media whenever a pastor falls from grace, like you mentioned. You know, the media yeah. gives it, you know, headlines far and wide, and people cry out for, you know, greater accountability and all that. Has this sort of thing happened to you because of your background and where churches and other Christians don't trust you because they think you may backslide and I don't know, take others with you and stuff like that. Is that what you're experiencing more or less? I've heard, I've heard things like that. And like somebody, because the, the homosexuality kind of issue has always been a bit taboo. And then when some, because of that, then when somebody, when the Lord calls somebody out of that, and then they come into the church, then it, it kind of, the spotlight tends to shine brightly on them because everybody wants to know how did that happen and is it possible and uh, how does it work and what do you feel like now and, and all that kind of stuff. There's just so much pressure on a person. And I think a lot's happening in that kind of vacuum. Like for me, the first the first several years, that happened. So I'm, I'm up in front of the church. I'm sharing my testimony. The spotlight's on me. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure because it feels like risk. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like like when Robbie Zacharias, when he passed away, and then there's the big scandal about what happened with him. And he's not here to defend himself. So I kind right. of stopped short of ac accusing someone who's passed away. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, if that did happen, everybody, like you say, everybody starts screaming, accountability, accountability, accountability. And I remember when I worked at the bank and when we would have a problem, like financially with the bank, whatever was going on in the department. And that was in the, in the secular mindset was that let's call everybody together and figure out what we can do to make 1 billion percent sure this problem never happens again. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we're doing that in the church and, and it's like, I don't think there is a silver bullet solution to make sure that there will never, ever in this fallen world, there will never, ever be a pastor that ever falls away again. And so to tackle everybody at the waist and to start screaming at them, you have to meet with an accountability partner every night, every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. To me, that is not a solution. If you followed Robbie Zacharias around at 70 years old, and forced him to be accountable to somebody once a week. If he wanted to continue in the sin, he would just lie to them. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. Like the yeah. whole thing is kind of like you have a military background. My dad says, nobody can walk it for you. If you've chosen to be a Balaam, if you've chosen to be an apostate, you're going to do it, right? Like yeah. I, I can't come in and walk it for you. And you can blame, well, he didn't have proper coaching or proper discipleship or something Mm -hmm. he's got to do it himself. Yeah. He's responsible yeah. for his own walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So in my situation, they come in, I have a strong relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because he really, really did a, a work in my life. And it's undeniable to me that there's no Amen. way out apart from him. And it's undeniable to me that I would not make it through those first days and weeks and months without an extremely strong relationship with him where I'm hearing from him from morning till evening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Amen. Like, there was no other way that I would have been alive. That's how intense yeah. it was. And yeah. when I walk into the church, then it's then it's all this kind of speculation. Like, I think somebody, I think somebody better get with him. I'm not sure if he should be around the kids and stuff. And so 
then you kind of get like a wet blanket thrown on the relationship, the power that's keeping you standing on your, your two feet is coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the moment someone comes in and takes away that freedom in Christ, that amazing, amazing, awe-inspiring, life-giving yeah. relationship, they throw Amen. that blanket on it and say, we want you to follow Pastor Don. Yeah. We want you to walk yeah. walk with Jesus like Pastor Don walks with Jesus. Well, Pastor Don doesn't even know anything about where I came from, where I am, what the Lord's call in my life is. That's right. So a lot of times That's we right. come in, we super we supersede the will of God on somebody's life because we have no idea what we're talking about and we're operating according to secular values. We've learned in the workplace at the bank, this is risk mitigation. Let's tackle him at the waist and put together a five-step plan to make sure he never falls back. It doesn't work. Right. We live in a fallen world. If somebody's going to fall, he's going to fall. It's up to him to fight forward like a soldier for Christ, to get in the word every day, get in prayer every day, have a strong relationship with the Lord. We can encourage him in that, but we can't walk it for him and we can't yeah, force amen. him. We're going to do more damage this, than good. Yeah, and this has all been since you've been delivered. I mean, after you've been saved, forgiven. You know, I believe there's some in the church who've committed, you know, adultery and done drugs and committed robberies, etc. They've been forgiven and accepted back, but, you know, but, for whatever reason, they seem more suspicious, not just of you, but others who struggled with homosexuality as well. And that, you know, that's, that's a fault. Like you said, the church shoots their wounded with your book. And let's talk about your book. I mean, you've actually offered, authored three books. The first is published in 2020 titled Straight and Ex-Gay Prodigal Son. Your second one was a follow-on book called Straight to Ex-Gay Adventures in Christ published in 2021. And share about those two books, why you wrote them and published them. Yeah, the Lord gave me a writing gift and really put it to work. I, I used it for for the wrong reasons in my past life. And and then the Lord really used it for good in, in my new life, praise God. And, and really, I knew day one that I was to write testimonies. And so started out with just a one-pager kind of thing to share with folks that were struggling and folks in the church. And, and then went from there, and the Lord led to just kind of to in the beginning kind of journal what was going on and that was kind of therapeutic and then then eventually pull all those notes together and write a book about what he had done for me and so the the first book is kind of testimony early childhood until repentance uh, may 28 2010 the second book uh, that's that's straight an ex-gay prodigal story the second book is straight to ex-gay adventures in christ and that's kind of the bright side of the new life there's <laughs> Amen. There's so much, uh, like we're we're walking through this, and I'm kind of getting uh, heated as I think through all the challenges that have happened. And so that when in kind of thinking through, okay, the Lord has done so much. I really want to shine light on that. And if I do kind of the positive and the negative together, it kind of muffles the positive a little bit. So I, I chose to separate them into two books. So the the first book is the or the, the second book actually straight to XK Adventures in Christ is kind of the the missional adventures I call them the Lord calling me over to Southeast Asia and and the first the first months Amen. here going to Malaysia and and uh, Australia and Borneo and all these different places and the Lord taking you know climbing a mountain and and going on these kind of adventures. And a lot of it is kind of growing into manhood, right? It, it's something that I had avoided in my old life and, and 
followed the women and then the Lord brought me out and it's kind of like, you're going to be a man, you know, <laughs> might be Amen. starting late, but you're going to be a man. You're going to step Amen. up. You're going to serve me. You're going to fight for me. And so that, that kind of manifested itself in, in fleshly ways. You could say, I need to get up and climb some mountains and, and uh, do some manly Amen. stuff outside. And I got back into hunting with my dad and everything. So I got into Praise all that, God. all that Amen. stuff. Praise the Lord in yeah. this uh, straight to X gay adventures in Christ. And, and really Amen. what happens when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ in a primarily Muslim country, like Malaysia and, and places like that over here, uh, what happens when you share in the Buddhist country? What it, what does the average Joe say to you? What's his response? Is yeah. there any anger? Is is there any risk involved with that? And and there has been, and and that's mm -hmm. been how the Lord. A lot of it's been in the spiritual. How the Lord's led to man me up through, and then then the third book is uh, the church. We shoot our wounded. What we just talked about, and that's also a celebration of what the Lord's done. I mean, it's really a call to walk with Him to separate out from the world and the worldly church really to separate out from what's going on to be able to separate uh, truth from, from the mixing that Satan mixes lies with truth and tries to sell it from the pulpit. So how to separate that out and, and uh, apostasy in the church and specific things that I've walked through in the church, specific things that have happened like that pastor situation that I talked about. I married a woman pretty uh, early that, I shouldn't have married, to be really honest. I didn't know her very well. She was the first woman I was genuinely attracted to and uh, got myself into a pretty rough situation there, escalated that to pastors to try to sort things out with her. She was controlling, manipulative, deceptive. She was unfaithful, and the pastors, in large part, sided with her as if... Wow. Um, by default, because of my background, I'm not sure. I don't know what all was going on, but it was a, a relatively large number of pastors who sided with my my deceitful wife, like a, wow. an opportunistic deceiver, sided with her. And um, one pastor actually said I should follow my wife, like literally contradicted scripture that far. Another one falsely accused me, all kinds of stuff. But it's in the book. And I, I believe that there was hope for my marriage. It had those pastors stood on the inspired and errant, timeless word of God, what it actually says. I believe that my marriage could have been salvaged. So I think the one thing when I talk about this part of my testimony, it's kind of like, well, you're just like the millennials. You're out to blame everyone for your problems. No, I'm not. I'm saying that I made a mistake and I'm accountable for that. And I've repented of that when I married someone that I barely knew. I jumped the gun. I was never attracted to a woman in a genuine way. I was almost 40 years old and I jumped on it. She was a former beauty queen. She was extremely beautiful. And I married her and, and I got myself into something. I I thought, how what happened? Now I've thwarted the will of God for my life. She's trying to to take things over and lead us on a different path. And then I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And then I go to the pastors and cry out to them, where's the shepherd's heart? Why won't you help me? What do you what's the problem? Why do you think? I mean, it was unreal. And yeah. they just threw me to the curb, like trampled me underfoot. Like you are not worthy to be anything. I mean, I was a missionary here on the mission field when all this happened. They treated me like trash. I mean, wow. pastor after pastor right here in this community. There's a Filipino pastor. Pastor Joel Madling Awa treated me like a piece of garbage, sided with my wife, put all the effort he could into destroying my ministry. 
and wow. still I think is active actively doing so. Another one, uh, uh, Dan Osterhout back in Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania, put a massive amount of effort into destroying my life and ministry and my marriage. Wow. And from from the inside, we he was trusted. We were in uh, in partnership, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. one after another. It's been so many, and it's been so. Wow. So difficult. And all this is all lying in your book. Greater. All that's but the Lord is greater, and it's a call to it's a call to deeper walk with Him. I went through a period where I thought, if this is coming from the pastors, does the Lord hate me? You know what I mean. I I really felt like that. I I felt so humbled coming into the church from my past life, and so my default my default demeanor was humility. Humble yourself. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. I need to be humble. And so I think I overly humbled myself to the point where I was almost hiding under the pew, like, whatever you say, Pastor, it's okay, because I just want to be meek and Christ-like. And they just trampled me, just nearly destroyed me and wrecked me. Wow. And so that's the that's the that's yeah. been the more recent, the more recent part of growing into a man here at 45 years old, believe it or not, is to come after the bullies i will no longer be bullied i was Amen. bullied in high school and they said yeah. that i look like a faggot or I, I throw like a girl or whatever i'm not playing your game anymore in, inside Amen. or outside of the church and i will come yeah. railing and fighting until Amen. you relent and repent and that's what this book is about to call them to repentance it calls them lady boy pastors that's a term that comes from Southeast Asia, the, the transgender male to female, when they go and get surgery to have breasts and they emasculate themselves. Literally, they say, I'm a lady boy. So I'm calling these guys lady boys. I'm saying yeah. the gay community has more guts to stand up for what they believe than the pastors who the Lord's called and ordained. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The apostasy that we see in the church nowadays. Amen. How has the book been received by the church? And the pastors. I've, I've gotten that? some kind of hate mail type of stuff. <laughs> some <laughs> some, review, yeah. <laughs> some yeah. reviews out there. I mean, I, I struggle with it. I, I really, really struggled with it to the point where I felt that it was affecting my health considerably with uh, sleep and that, that sort of thing. And I really struggled with it. And I thought, Lord, is this you really writing, really leading me to write all of this stuff? It just seems like... I guess we feel nowadays like we need to write soft and gushy and soft and gushy mm -hmm. and happy, happy. This happened to me and it was bad, but, and I mean, this book is that, but the Lord was there with me through all and he led to fight and he manned me up. He did things through this hellacious false accusations and demonic attack through the pastorate that could have never been done otherwise. I mean, I, I went from, like muttering and hunkering down underneath the pew to to standing up and speaking and being heard the lord led to get through seminary the the past in the past three years um started seminary which is something i put off because i was unsure of myself and i wanted to be humble and i'm not sure about this and i'm not sure about that the lord led to open a church here what i i'd been called to do all along and i continued to to just sidestep and sidestep and sidestep and share the gospel yes but i'm not sure about a church and just so unsure and so full of doubts and the lord removed all that through this so that's what Amen. i can praise the lord about and so I just need these guys to come to repentance because we need this to be settled and over with. I'm sick of being my reputation, being uh, 
down in the mud. I mean, I'm a pastor. This The craziness that was said about me needs to be resolved. This needs to be resolved with my wife and these pastors who said these things and did these Amen. things. I don't want to destroy anyone's life. I just want repentance. I want it to be fixed, resolved Amen. so that I can move on. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what did Liberty University think of your testimony? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, it seemed to put, <laughs> we would have kind of open forums. I mean, I did the seminary online, so we would have kind of open forums, like a, where you post something that the rest of the class can read, and then they can respond to, to what you wrote. And the other students, uh, for the most part, would say, wow, praise the Lord. Um, I felt that a, a few of my professors were not really on board. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I read up, but I kind of got backlash when I would when I would write about solid doctrine. Like if I would write, here's my story, I would like to share my story. That's pretty innocent. Then you don't get so much attack because you'd have to be pretty gutsy to attack someone's life story. But... If I would write about the doctrine of male headship or something that ties into my ministry, it doesn't appear to, but it really does, ties into stepping up to be a man, being respected as a man, stepping into a place of responsibility and leadership that the Lord called us to. It's the opposite of being emasculated, right? And so that's that to me is really emasculating when someone refuses to allow me to be the head of my home and stands with my wife against that. But anyway, so I would write about things like that in these uh, papers that we had to write and, and post them. And then I would be attacked for that. So it's really, when you, when you get down to it and you're, you're kind of like, well, why don't these pastors, why don't these pastors uh, accept you? And then you get into the nitty gritty of what they're angry about. Often they're coming after the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not coming after really me. If it's just, I'm, I come into the church and I'm jolly and, happy-go-lucky and stuff, I think everything's fine. But when my testimony ties into things, doctrines that are no longer preached, it has a warning against alcohol abuse, it has uh, warnings against homosexuality, it has warnings against things that are woven into my testimony and can't really be separated from it about things that reduce the membership of the church. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go. I, there you go. I get up and preach yeah. male headship, then the single women who run their own businesses and contribute a heck of a lot to the pastor's salary might not come back next Sunday. So let's silence this guy. Yep. So it's, it's yep. a lot about that. A lot of times it's like, I really am suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. It feels like they're attacking my past life and stuff, but more often than not, the more, the deeper I get into it and the more time passes, it's like the one common thread here is they're angry about the message I'm called to preach. And yeah. that's an attack on the throne of God, and, and that's true apostasy. Yeah, Jesus himself said, you know, if, if I wouldn't have come preaching this to them, they wouldn't have had their sin. But now they have no excuse for it, you know. Amen. And, uh, and that's, that's, that sounds exactly like what Jesus was experiencing. Amen. Amen. Matt, what would you like to say to the pastors out there that may be listening to us right now? All the pastors or these pastors in the book? All the pastors <laughs> listening to us right now. Uh, I would say judge not lest you be judged. And I don't mean that. I think when you're, when you're speaking to pastors, this has happened in my ministry before there's tremendous confusion because they're, they're taking flack from the world, the, the 
the actual secular world who wants them to accept the gay community. And so when I say judge not lest you be judged, they're like, that's the same voice I hear from the world. He wants us to accept the gay community. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that when I come into the church and I demonstrate true fruit and true repentance, and it's it's very obvious to anybody sitting around, everybody who's, anybody who's known me in my past life, that the Lord Jesus Christ has done tremendous work in my life. I might not be perfect, but nobody else is either, nobody right, is, including yeah. the pastor. Amen. So I'm saying, um, give me the benefit of the doubt, people like me. Don't try to tackle me at the waist. Don't try to, to correct every little thing I do. I'm no different than the guy who came in out of alcoholism and still continues right. to perhaps have an idea that, gee, I'd like to have a drink today, but has denied himself for 13 years. You know what I mean? Amen. Everybody has temptation towards some type of sin. The woman in the back of the church is, is tempted every day to gossip, and she probably doesn't die daily to herself, right? So... So it's no different from that. And I'm just as forgiven as anybody else. I haven't acted on it in 13 years. Praise, Praise the Lord. And that's supernatural power. And that's the yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. And so have mercy on me, a sinner, as I would have mercy on you, a sinner. I'm no less forgiven than any of you. And neither is anybody else who's come out of this lifestyle into true repentance and true faith amen. in the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. Well, you know, you mentioned about being delivered from alcohol. I was a functioning alcoholic and, you know, that was just the life I led, you know? And when I was delivered from alcohol, I didn't even know I had quit drinking for six months. Right. And, uh, what happened was I just felt like going to get a drink one night, went down to the liquor store and just purchased a, uh, uh, little pint bottle of Jim Beam because I, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to drink a lot and get wasted. So I'll just get this for tonight. Right. And, uh, drank like half a, a glass and told them, eh, I think I'm just going to go to bed. And then six months later, we had a leak underneath the sink. So I went to pull the stuff out front of the sink. So I get down and tighten up the pipe and there's that half bottle of Jim Beam. And I realized I haven't had a drink in six months. You know, I mean, I was supernaturally delivered from the desire. That was 1992, wow. November of 1992, right? So about, oh, three or four years ago, we were going out to dinner, and there was a long wait at the restaurant we were going to, and the little area of town, so the, the wives were going to just go window shopping while, you know, because I said it was like 40, 45-minute wait. Well, me and my son-in-law went up, there's no place to sit, so my, me and my son-in-law went up to the bar, and I'm got my arm on a bar i just ordered a coke and i'm sitting there and all of a sudden that desire came back you know because i'm in that environment I'm resting on the bar i'm holding a drink in my hand you got the smell because yeah. they're pouring drinks for other people and i put the drink down and told myself i gotta go outside i, I can't stand here i've got to leave yeah. you know and so that desire was still there you know i am still a functioning alcoholic to this day I just haven't had a drink in 30 years, you know, but I thought that was done until that day. That spirit was still there. And he said, Ooh, this tastes so good. You know, I, I got to leave. I'm done. I got to walk out yeah. of this place right now. And uh, so I understand completely what you're talking about that, you know, it's a daily battle. Now I don't put myself in those situations every day as you don't, Amen. you know, but yeah. 
that taught me I always have to be on guard. Always. You know, amen. and amen. So I praise God for your deliverance. I mean, that's why when you reached out, I jumped at the chance to have you on the program because your testimony is the kind that needs to be shared in these dark days that we're facing right now. I mean, your testimony is what many believers are praying for. Many churches are praying for pastors are praying for. And then to hear about all the backlash and condemnation you receive is heartbreaking. It truly is. I pray this interview will help to break down some of those barriers for you. I mean, you can share this link to the interview with those that you're reaching out to and it may help them to hear everything we've been discussing today. You know, how can someone obtain copies of your book straight, straight to, and the church we shoot the wounded? Are they available on Amazon? Amazon Amazon.com. Yes. Uh, Xgaywitness.com. X-G-A-Y-W-I-T-N-E-S-S.com is Website for book-related stuff, links to okay. how you can buy there. Amen, amen. So if someone wanted to reach out to you to ask a question, maybe do an interview like this, how can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? xgaywitness.com and for the ministry here in Cambodia, castawayministries.org. But you can get to all of that through xgaywitness.com. Amen. So all right. both of them have contact forms. You can just click contact and send a message. Amen. And you're a missionary in a far land doing the work of the Lord. So you obviously need some financial support to continue doing the Lord's work. If someone listening right now would like to sow some financial seed into good ground, how can they do that? How can they send along an offering of support? Uh, Once again, through XK Witness, you can get to Castaway, but the the more direct way is castawayministries.org. C-A-S-T-A-W-A-Y-M-I-N. I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot org. Amen. Amen. Folks, Matthew Karshner's story is not an isolated incident. I mean, there are these are the types of salvations and deliverances believers pray for in this day and time. Amen. I urge you to drop down to the show notes, order copies of Matthew's books, get in touch with them, invite him to do interviews like this, invite him to speak when he's home. I mean, you can even do Zoom events now. He can like we're doing today. Amen. Thanks to COVID, this is now popular. Amen. Be sure to send along an offering of support as well. Every little bit helps. Don't think, well, I can't send much, and then do nothing. If everyone could send something, he could expand his outreach even more. Amen. Do it today while you're thinking about it. Pastor, I urge you to pray about supporting Matthew as one of your missionary outreach projects. Amen. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Matthew, I want to thank you for taking the time today to to come on this program and share with us today. I do appreciate you, brother. We're going to add you and your ministry to our prayer list. Thank you, sir. Amen. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. Matthew Preshner and myself, this is Pastor Bob reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.